First John chapter 3 probably hurt y'all more than you thought it would. <clears throat> and I need another bottle of water. Give me about two and a half gallons, Brother Alex. No, uh, um, I need another more. When I get nervous before I sing, I just start drinking water. There's one consolation of that. It won't be a long sermon, say, <laughs> unless we take a break in the middle of it. No, not really. All right, let's go to the Word of God, all seriousness, all foolishness aside. And uh, I want to continue what I started last week. 1 John chapter 3 is a powerful chapter. Verses 1 through 9 talks about there's a change in life when you're saved and you don't sin habitually. It's an exception, not a profession. Say amen right there. It's an exception, not a profession. Sin uh, is, a, is a slip up, not a way of life. And um, genuine love is the second birthmark in this chapter of being saved. If you don't love God, and you don't love church, and you don't love the Word of God, and you don't love anybody, you're probably not saved. Because verse 14 of John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, let's stand on to the Word of God, and I'll read this one verse, and I'll preach the whole chapter. It says, We know we have passed from death unto life, say it with me, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in what? Death. You may be seated. Father, thank you for the glorious day we're going to have when we meet our loved ones again. Lord, it's the only comfort we have. The only hope we have is to see you face to face. But God, it's an awesome thought too that we'll, at the judgment seat of Christ, give account of what we did from the day we were saved to the day we died or the rapture takes place. And Lord, there's going to be two criteria: How much we loved you and for who we did what we did. And it should be all for your glory. So Lord, help us. Help us to love you more than we ever have. And help us, dear God, to love others, even those that are unlovable, loving and unlovable towards us. And so Lord, please, God, please, fill us to overflowing with you. And you are love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we started verse 11. It says, so This is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That we should love one another. And number one, Brother Joel, love is extensive. It goes in verse 16, down to verse 16. It says, Not as Cain, who was well, the wicked one, who slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Cain came with the blood, I mean, uh, Abel came with the blood, Cain came with works. And works are never accepted in the eyes of God. That's a good uh, remedy for every, dealing with every cult. Amen? I took a 10-page uh, biblical comparison of what the Mormons believe versus the Bible. And um, you pray God would use that. But folks, I want to tell you something. Every cult has this thing. They're bringing their fruits. They're bringing their fruits. They're bringing their works. And over religion... Cain got mad and killed his brother. Uh, Cain set the example of what self-love is all about. Look at verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. That means you're lost. Whosoever hateth his brother, listen now, is, uh, is, is a murderer. And, we, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And so love is extensive. 
Look at verse 16. Hereby, listen now, perceive ye the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 2 John 3.16 We ought to know about the love of God and we ought to show it and we ought to be extensive in it that love of God is deeper than the love of man. And then number two, love is expensive. Look at verse 17. But whosoever hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? We looked at Calvary, <clears throat> we see that love meets our needs. We yield to <clears throat> the resurrection, then we want to meet other people's needs. And what the world needs more than anything else is to see Jesus in your life. The world needs love. The world needs love. The other uh, Tuesday, I was leaving the YDC and a guy stopped me. <clears throat> I was leaving, letting... Um, the head of FCA of all these three counties uh, lead this guy to the Lord. And he looked at me and he said, no, Brother Wayne, you need to lead him to the Lord. I said, okay, I'll be glad to. And today he, um, um, we had a meeting and he said, Brother Wayne, <clears throat> we're having a problem with FCA. My speakers are not giving invitations and they're not presenting the gospel like they should. Would you train them? I said, I'll be glad to. 770 teams. Over 3,000 athletes and non-athletes are in the FCA in two counties. And uh, I'll have the opportunity to tell them and show them how to present the gospel and also how to draw the net. I believe everybody will draw the net. And that means give an invitation. But I want to say this, friend. The greatest invitation you could ever give someone is to live it. And live it with love. Your love ought to be different than the world's. The world's self-love. The world's self-righteous. The world is bartered love. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. But I'll tell you something, the Lord's love, hey, the Lord's love is unconditional, sacrificial, and always giving. So love remembers the source of everything it has, Calvary. So verse 17 is a wonderful verse on the expensiveness of love. And then love is expressive. Look at verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. See, so just say, I love you. But wonder if your husband never kissed you. Would you think he loved you? Wonder if your husband never touched you. Wonder if, ladies, your husband was never around and never talked to you. Would you believe that he loved you? No. You would be suspicious that he loved somebody else. Folks, love is expressive. Amen? Um. Saturday night when I said, <clears throat> Kyle, you may kiss your bride. I ain't never seen an independent fundamental preacher lay one on a girl so much in my life. I couldn't break them up. I said, that's enough, amen. Now it's my, it's my privilege to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Kyle Haynes. And I tell you what, he was enjoying that. And then they said, uh, we got to take some pictures. Kiss your bride again. Boy, there they go again. I said, glory to God, amen. They were enjoying that. I don't think they'd kissed before. Amen? And um, that's very unusual in this day and age. So amen. But I want to get in some new material tonight. I'm going to give you four levels of life found in these verses. You know, he that hath the Son hath life, 1 John 5, 12. But he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You're just existing. 
Look at 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I use that in jail all the time. Saying you're just marking time if you're not born again. But there's four levels of life. And it's murder, verse 11. And it's hatred, verse 13 and 14. Then it's indifference. And we have the example of the Good Samaritan. And then it's real love. And that's found in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. We'll get to these in just a minute. And then I want you to know that love uh, has very great dividends. And love is superior to anything you could ever do. God's love. God's love is um, virtuous. And God's love is a great commandment. God's love is a great testimony. And it's a great motivation. So let's go to the Word of God. And uh, let's just study the rest of this chapter. Um, and I've reviewed last week. Catch up all those people that are at the camp. By the way, pray for those up at the camp this week. They have no hot water in the girls' dorm. What would y'all use it up for? I mean, and um, um, there's, there's been a flood in the lodge. and uh, They've had all kinds of, of uh, tribulation and trials trying to get this camp through. And Y'all had perfect weather, perfect showers, perfect harmony, perfect everything. And y'all ought to thank God for it. But um, the devil's attacking up there, so you pray for him. Amen? Vision Baptist Church. First, first level is murder. False religion always is murderous. Why? John chapter 8, verse 44 says that the, he's, a, he's a murderer and the father of all lies. And then there's hatred in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 22. Would y'all turn with me there? Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 22. And we want to get to this essence of love in our life. Have you ever thought about how God wants you to be? He wants you to be like Him, and He is love. If you're yielded to the Spirit of God, love's just going to ooze out of you. I mean, you're going to love everybody. You're even going to love those that hate you and despitefully use you and talk about you. Love is so supernatural, it gets the world's attention. Say amen. I mean, listen, listen. Uh, uh, human love is you love me and I'll love you. Uh, devilish love is uh, you love somebody and they hate you. But I want to tell you something. Spiritual love is you love those that hate you. Jesus loved those that rejected him. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, please. The Bible says, You have heard that by the old times thou shalt not kill. But whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of counsel. But whosoever shall say thy fool shall be in danger of hell fire. And so the Bible equates hatred uh, to, uh, to murder. Uh, we murder people's reputation. We murder people's emotions. We murder people's feelings. And we don't even care. And I want to tell you something. Some of the tools of it is called Facebook. You'll keep your face in his book. You won't murder people on it. You'll, you'll compliment and encourage people. Say amen. Uh, you'll use it as a prayer tool for the missionaries, and you won't uh, slander people. And so we need to realize that, folks, there's a level of living that the devil loves, and that's where people hate each other. I don't know if you've ever hated anybody, but you probably didn't want to murder them, but you wanted to come, you just wanted to hurt them real good. Amen? And I want to tell you this, friend, that's not God. That's not God. We need to see that the first level is murder, he can digress that, but it's hatred of heart. 
There's a lady one time got bit by a, a, a dog that was had rabies. She went to the doctor, and sure enough, the doctor diagnosed that she had rabies, and she she only had a a, a few uh, years to live or months to live. And she started. She got her paper out and started writing down all the all the uh, uh, people. And and the doctor said, "What are you doing? Writing down your will?" He says, "No, I'm writing down who I want to bite." And I was, <laughs> you know, I, I, have I told that before? But anyway, uh, God help us. God help us not to want to bite people. Get even with people. I mean, is that your level of life where you just want to get even with somebody? Some of you husbands and wives fight all the time. I, you know, I don't understand that. Praise God, make up and come to church and smile. Say amen. But some people fuss and fight, uh, act like Comanche Indians, then come in here and sit, sit down like wooden Indians and saints. You're not fooling God for a minute. You need to be full of love. Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church. You ought to love your husband as the church loves, loves God. And folks, listen, uh, there's another level is indifference. Verse 17, uh, the Bible says uh, in our text, 1 John 3, 17, real quick. But whosoever hath his world's goods and seeth his brother have need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? I thank God for our food pantry. Well, we make some people happy around here. Uh, we try to give them the gospel, and, and um, they always promised they'd come to the next service and never do, but we're going to still give them food. Because there's little old kids that, that they didn't ask to be uh, hungry, and they need these food, and this is a, a precious ministry. And I'm going to tell you something. It gets out when a church gives food. There's a line, and thank God for it. But I want to tell you something, friend. Indifference is killing us. I don't care, and I don't know, and I don't care is the attitude that's killing the churches today. We need to care. We need to care enough to do something about it. The good Samaritan could have walked on the other side of the road, but he got down in the ditch and picked up that man and took him to the end. I compared that to the church. And folks, we need to get down in the ditch and pick people up, not compromise. Then the fourth level is love. Why is love absolutely the greatest virtue? I'll tell you why. Because God said it was. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Do you love everyone? Let me ask you a question, and this is where we're going to get to because I'm talking about a good conscience in a minute. Is there anyone in this world you've got an alt against? If you do, you can't pray. And I will tell you this, if you have an alt against a brother and if you don't love, you have a clouded conscience, you have no confidence, and your communion is hindered. And there is no little sin when it comes to sin because any sin cuts you off from the fellowship of God. So when you pillow your head tonight, if somebody comes into your mind that you'd like to slap a little bit and hurt a little bit and talk about a little bit and slander on Facebook a little bit, you just might as well not pray anything because your prayers are not going to be answered. And that's sad. Because I'm going to tell you something, no grudge is worth being cut off from God's communion. I'll get to that in just a minute. But look at 1 Corinthians 13. I'll show you a few things about love in the Bible. It says, moreover, brethren, excuse me. By the way, this chapter is right in the middle of two very controversial chapters about gifts. And it says in verse 31, but covet, uh, in in chapter 12, but covet earnestly the best gifts, but I show you unto you a more excellent way. What is that excellent way? Chapter 13, love. Then you finish chapter 13, look at the first verse of chapter 14. That's a real controversy. That puts the tongue speaking out of the church. 
That stops women from speaking in church tongues in the church. And I want to tell you something. If you took the women out of the tongue movement, you wouldn't have one. Because every charismatic church I used to go to, which I didn't have enough sense not to go to, because we was in a traveling team and we'd sing at any church, and that was dumb. Uh, but I was just following my leader. Um, every time somebody spoke in tongue, there was a woman. The Bible says women be silent in the church. That doesn't mean uh, you can't give a testimony. Say amen right there, Miss Rose. Amen. You, that doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you can't teach other ladies. It, can't, it doesn't mean that you can't praise God and lift your hand and say amen. Matter of fact, I wish Miss Jackie was right here. She would have said amen right then. She would have said it. She would have raised her little hand and said amen. And I bet she, well, I don't bet, but I guarantee you she's amening while she's working tonight watching the broadcast because she never misses. But I want to tell you something, friend. All that shouting and all this gift and all these gifts, the Bible says you'd rather speak one word of prophecy than, than uh, 10,000 words of an unknown tongue. But that's not, the, that's not what it's, what it's, uh, uh, what's even superior to gifts. Not, just, not prophecy, but love. Love. Chapter 13, he takes a whole chapter and says, wait a minute, I've dealt with it in chapter 12, I've dealt with it, I'm going to deal with it hard in chapter 14, because the church is splitting and splattering over division and chaos and crazy worship, and everybody's speaking in tongues at the same time, make sure you got an interpreter, if you got an interpreter, that means it's a language, amen, it's not some uh, static gibberish heavenly language, amen, I don't know where that came from, in 1909, the Azusa meeting, is where it came from, but I want to tell you something, friend, 1 Corinthians 14 came from the Bible, so you want to deal with it, deal with it, but I want to tell you something, back in 13, it tells you what your attitude ought to be, even towards those that are doctrinally wrong. It says, though I, though I speak in tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You know, I thank God Paul had some guts. He's calling all those people that's obsessed with the, with the lesser gifts sounding brass and tinkling cymbal because they were getting drunk around the Lord's supper table and they were also fighting around the love feast because some people were bringing their steaks and other people didn't have anything but baloney. And they were bragging over what they had. In the church, they were suing each other. They had incest in the church. My word. Then he said, I'm going to show you a better way. <laughs> Amen. You know what that way is? Love God and love each other. And though I have the gift of prophecy, this is better than prophecy. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity. I am nothing, zero. And though I bestow all goods for the feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I have, and if I have not charity, it profit me nothing. It says you can be a martyr, and if you don't love God, you're, it's, it's a zero. It doesn't count. It's nothing. And so let me just give you a few things. You might want to write this down. I don't have in the notes, I don't believe. Uh, take, go to the next one. I might have a few of them. Attributes of love. Love is the greatest virtue. It's superior to eloquence, prophecy, mysteries, knowledge, faith, feeding the poor, and martyr's death. Love is superior to all those great attributes of being sensational, spectacular, and sacrificial. Love. Love. But let me just say this. According to our text, love is a proof of life in Christ. 
We know that we pass from death and life because we what? Love the brethren. You know, I love this church because you're so loving. As far as I know, nobody hates anybody around here, and all you gossipers need to lay your tongue on the altar if it'll hold it. You've got something better to do than cut people down. Say amen. You say, how do you know who you're talking to? I'm just shooting a shotgun. If it hits, you'll probably say ouch. Amen. But I'll tell you something, friends. Some people are so negative, uh, they um, have a half full glass of water and they, they say it's half empty. Some people are so critical, and the reason they're critical, anybody's critical is because you're so insecure, you need, you need company in the ditch of your insecurity. What you need to do is get secure in the Lord, and you don't have to cut anybody down to make yourself look better. Say amen right there. I'm dealing with this because it probably needs to be dealt with. I don't know. I hadn't heard lately because no gossiper calls me. I wonder why. But folks, we got more to do than cut each other down. Hey, if you've got a problem with somebody, why don't you pray for them about five days and fast for them about three? I guarantee you, God will melt your heart towards them. Now, I'm talking about the exes and the O's in here. I'm talking about ex-wives, ex-husbands. I'm talking about... Uh, people that's hurt you and spoke terrible of you and, and hurt your children. You need to love them. You say, well, I can't. That's the very fact. Jesus will love them through you. And so, folks, love is proof of uh, genuineness and conversion. And, lie, and it's, love is, uh, is proof of obedience. John 14, 13 says, if you love me, keep my commandment. Hey, listen, love is a proof of faith. Would you look at 1 John 4.19? 1 John 4.19. Don't you love this sweet chapter, this sweet fellowship described in John 1 through 5. It talks about sweet fellowship. And folks, there's nothing that hurts your fellowship more than you have some grudge or bitterness in your heart. Now, I want to tell you something. Sometimes it's misdirected. Your daddy lets you down, so you can't stand anybody else. Your wife lets you down, so you've you got, you got a thing against all women. It's called rejection syndrome. You don't know who you're going to reject next because you're so bitter. And Folks, what we need to do is let that bitterness melt into God's love and treat people like God treats you. Look at this, 1 John 4, 9. I think it's 4, 9. The Bible says, and it was manifested, no, it's 19. It says, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Folks, love is, a, is, is evidence that you have faith. What do you mean? Calvary, you have faith that took place. Resurrection, you have faith that took place. Your salvation, you had faith to put it in the place in your heart. You have faith that the Savior took your place. And if that's not love, there is no love. Say amen. And so folks, when you love people, you evidence that you have faith that God loves you no matter what. And He loved you when you were a sinner, dead in your sins and trespasses, and we ought to treat others like Jesus treated you and treats you. And so love is an evidence of faith. 
Hey, love is a fruit of the Spirit. Don't tell me you're filled with the Spirit of God when you're filled of hatred, bitterness, and criticism, and cynicism, and negativism, and all those other isms. You're not filled with the Spirit of God. You're filled with yourself. I'm going to tell you what a person needs to do that's critical and cynical. They need to die to self. And you need to yield to the Spirit. And when you yield to the Spirit, something comes out called the fruit of the Spirit, and it's love, joy, peace. And it's the fruit, singular. It's all an evidence of Jesus, and Jesus is love. So love is a sign of faith. Love is a sign of obedience. Love is a sign that you've been truly saved. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. And folks, I want to tell you something. Love is a proof of discipleship. They know that uh, look at John 13, 35. That, that verse just left me. You ever had a verse just leave you? I hope you have because I'm not that old. But anyway, John 13, 35. John 13, 35. They know that we are disciples because we love... There, it came back. We know that, thank God something came back. We know that we, know that we are disciples because we what? We love one another. We love one another. Folks, listen, it's wonderful to be called a disciple, but the Bible says, by this shall all men know, that all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Now don't go home and criticize the preacher to your lost husband because you're sending him to hell. Because he ain't going to believe a word you say. Hey, don't go home. And criticize the deacon because he ain't deacon. Because he ain't going to believe a word you say if you go home with hatred, criticism, instead of love. What he needs to see you is in your private place of love calling out to God those names that's hurt you. That's neglected you. That's overlooked you. That praise God's misspelled your name in the bulletin. I'm so glad Jason does the bulletin now. I used to get blamed for all that. Hey, we got more to do than to send people to hell because we don't love others. They know that we're disciples. They'll know that we're disciples. Why? Because we love God. He didn't say that. Because we love sinners. He didn't say that. He said we love the brethren. How many... Love everybody in this room. Raise your hand. Raise your hand, please. Please raise your hand. Okay. Amen. I was worried there for a second. Amen. But I believe our church does love everybody. Somebody told me the other day, they, they met me at the uh, camp meeting up there, and they said, uh, I appreciate your message. I preached this yesterday morning. I appreciate that message on love. And he says, we visited your church, and your people demonstrate that. Oh, I was so proud. I was proud as a peacock. I said, he said, there's two great churches, ours, Victory Baptist Church, and yours, because they just they just they made us feel at home. We've only been there one time. I was so proud. It's like somebody coming up and just bragging on your children. I said, Yes, ma'am. I've been there 41 and a half years, and it's not a drudgery, it's a privilege to pastor loving people. I don't have to referee all the time. I don't have to break up the cliques all the time. I don't have to, I don't have to uh, be, be afraid that I'm going to get voted out the next business meeting. It's just a loving church. And I appreciate you for that. 
And I believe the reason it's a loving church is because you realize with all your heart that it's the greatest virtue. Hey, friend, I'm going to tell you, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just close this section real quick because my time's about up. But, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's the greatest grace. It's the greatest virtue. But also, I want to tell you something. It's, it's a criteria for judgment. Paul said, I'm ready to be offered. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. I believe that's, it's at the order. I'm not exactly sure. But then it said, henceforth there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, and not only for me, but for those who what? Love His appearing. Now folks, you know what that's saying? You're going to get reward in heaven if you love His appearing. And the last time I checked 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, if you love His appearing, you're purifying yourself. So there's holiness in your life. Now I want to tell you something. Love is a motive for separation. Say amen right there. I'm tired of everybody saying the independent Baptists are against everything. No, we're not against everything. We're for God. And if you love God, you don't love Satan. If you love God, you don't love the world. If you, don't, if you love God, you don't love sin. That's separation. I love my wife. That's why I don't love every woman in this church. Like my wife. That love supersedes that love. That was a bad illustration. But anyway. <laughs> man, that, that was a that, that Mark that out, Joel. Just cut it out. Joel's laughing from the Washington, D.C. steps. He found a good church, by the way. They pray on the Supreme Court steps every Saturday night. Amen. He loves it. Amen. Hope you don't love it too much because we want him to come back. But anyway, love. And I know Joel wants him to come back. He's climbing ladders trying to get this thing going. Amen? Love is a motive for service. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says that we're constrained by His love. That man was talking to me. He says, hey, go through an invitation right now. Go through how you present the gospel. And we were sitting there. And I was getting a free lunch at the filling station. I was going to do anything you said. Amen? And I said, okay, this is how I do it. And I was real loud to the whole restaurant here. And you know something? The restaurant emptied out. I mean, we were, we, were the, we were by ourselves at the most popular restaurant in Dalton, Georgia. I said, well, first of all, you've got to get them lost. <laughs> you know? and, and I really didn't mean to be that loud. I'm just, my wife says, born that way. But, um, you know, the main thing is it's not your plan. And it's not your presentation. It's that you love souls enough to ask. It's confrontational evangelism, they say. Well, no, it's not. It's just realizing that you might never see them again, and so you need to at least ask them if they died today, they'd go to heaven. Amen? And, they, and, 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 and he's concerned because these new evangelicals, they don't even have an invitation in their church, much less when they're speaking to the ball players. Praise God, I believe if you've got seven minutes with them, five ought to be the gospel and two ought to be the invitation. And then leave it with God. Leave it with God. Plant the seed. But I want to tell you something. We independent fundamental have been, been accused of easy believism and one, two, three-ism. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to draw the net. We need to ask people if they died today, they'd go to heaven. We need to do that because, folks, people are dying and going to hell. Do you, does it bother you that people are dying and going to hell? And so it's a proof of um, uh, it's, a, its motive. It's motive of service, it's motive of separation, and then it's motive for sacrifice. For God so loved the world He gave. 
What's our text say? 1 John 3.14 Receive ye the love of God that he laid down our, his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for the brethren. Amen. Most people will serve God as long as it don't cost them anything. Hey, most people serve God if it's, you know, 78 degrees and the humidity's low. Most people serve God if, they can, if their air condition works in the car and they don't have to walk too far. But if you, you ask somebody to sacrifice one Saturday out of a month, they say, oh, I can't do that. But I guarantee you, if somebody gives you $90 tickets like my, my uh, cousin does often to the Braves game where they feed you food and you sit there with a TV in front of you and Dale Murphy comes and asks for your autograph and I mean it's just an amazing celebrity place I guarantee you I'll make my schedule fit that <laughs> Say, I'm honest it's good food good seats and the Braves are winning we make time for what we love amen we sacrifice for what we love and I want to tell you what we ought to love God's heart, souls, souls. Aren't you glad somebody loved you enough to come to your house and knock on your door? Preach the gospel. Motive power. I got to hurry. It's a sign of, it's the light of the local church. It's the light of the local church. You know, the Bible says, uh, if you leave your first love, uh, I'm going to come take your candle out of you. Out of, out of the, out of, I'm going to take the candlestick and the candle out of your church. And so that tells me that love is the light of the local church. Amen. He's pleased with the church of love. He said, I, I know your works. I know your separation. I know you can't bear the Nicolaitans, the, the, the heathen uh, works uh, people. I know that you labor and you're weary, and you're, but you have somewhat against thee. You've left your first love, and I'm going to come take the light out. Folks, you are just... Realize that the light of this church is God's love through you. The evidence of your salvation is God's love through you. The fruit of the Spirit is God's love through you. Uh, the proof of discipleship is God's love through you. Folks, listen, the, um, the uh, reason you ought to obey is because you love Him. And the reason you ought to be separated, love not the world, neither the things of the world, the reason you ought to be separated is because of God's love. Now let me close this chapter. Go back to our text, 1 John chapter 3. And uh, I want to give you three attributes, legacy of love. How can I say it? The investment of your love. If you love God and love others, I want to tell you what's going to happen in your life. Three things, three C's, and we'll close. You got them, brother? Uh, I think it's the next one. There it is. Love's the greatest investment. I, I believe this. I believe it pays to serve God. Old Dave McCoy always says that all the time. And when I went to his house and saw those gates open up to his house, I said, yeah, it pays to serve God, amen. And it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I, I don't, I'm not envious of it. I like my little place down there on the dead-end road. But I want to tell you this, friend. It pays more than benefits and money and houses. I'm going to tell you what it pays. Number one, you have a good conscience. Look at verse 19. It says, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall be assured our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. And so folks, listen, the word heart and conscience is interchangeable in the New Testament. Um, folks, what causes your heart to condemn you? Lack 
of love. I want to tell you something. You'll never have a clear, godly conscience if you have something against someone in your heart. When you have love in your heart, you're going to find a wonderful thing happens. Your conscience is going to be clear. God gives you a conscience. He does not give that to your little Fido uh, puppy. Your puppy does not blush. Your cat does not blush. Your, your cat don't even laugh. I'm not preaching against cats or dogs. Some of you are looking at me real cross-eyed. I can see it right now. Don't you touch my puppy. Okay, I won't touch your puppy. But I'll touch cats for a little while. No, listen, listen, listen to me. They, they, don't, they don't blush. They don't have a conscience. God's put a conscience in man. And that's your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I want to tell you something. According to these verses, if you do not love, your heart condemns you. God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us, then we have, uh, if, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence. And so let me just say this in closing. Uh, Bill Gothard said this about conscience. A good conscience. It's the inner freedom of spirit and assurance from knowing that you have a transparency towards everyone and that no one is able to point a finger at you and accuse you of a wrong, a wrong towards him that you have not made right. I think that definition needs to be repeated. Listen to this. A good conscience is the inner freedom of spirit, disposition, and assurance from knowing that you have transparency towards everyone. That no one is able to point a finger at you and accuse you of wrong towards him that you never made right. That's why the Bible says before you go to the altar and you realize there's, you know, somebody's got an alt against you, first leave that altar and go to that person that has an alt against you. It didn't say you had an alt against them. Some, say amen right there. You know somebody in this church can't stand you and you ought to get it right before you try to worship because you're not worshiping. Say amen. Some of you husband and wives looking like you had a big knockdown drag out on the way here. Amen. God help you. I'm glad you're in church. I'll help you if you want to stay for counseling. When you love, you make it right. And when you make it right, you're transparent. Now I want to tell you something, friend. You can go ahead and hold a grudge if you want to, but that grudge is going to hold you. Look at verse 19. It says, And hereby we know that we are, we are the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Your conscience bothers you. What do you think it does? It bothers God. You grieve the Spirit. The Spirit's not a, a, um, an entity and a thing like the Jehovah Witnesses class him as. He's a person. He's God equal. And folks, He's grieved. He's grieved when you have bitterness. Bitterness. It's an acid that destroys the container. Bitterness. And it's the acid that destroys assurance. You don't have a clear conscience. And so the first legacy of love is a good conscience. And then number two is great confidence. Look at this. It says, Beloved, if our hearts condemn us, then have we, then have we confidence towards God? And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things which are pleasing in His sight. By the way, the reason love is so virtuous and so wonderful is the greatest commandment. Matthew 22 says it fulfills all the commandments. 
love, love God with all your heart and all your soul and love thy neighbor as thyself. It summarizes all the commandments. And so I want to tell you something. The greatest sin is not loving God. That's the greatest sin is not loving God. If it's the greatest commandment, it's the greatest disobedience. If you don't love God. Some people never darken the doors of the church. I love God. You don't love God. You can have a bumper sticker on that says honk if you love Jesus, but that don't prove a thing. If you love Jesus, tithe. If you love Jesus, sacrifice. If you love Jesus, tell somebody about him. If you love Jesus, show up when you don't feel like showing up. i got to hurry. Folks, confidence. Confidence in what? Your prayer life. Your prayers will get answered. Psalm 66, 18 says, if you guard iniquity in your heart, he'll not hear you. So if you regard bitterness in your heart towards anyone, your prayers is cut off. You can pray, weep, fast, yell, scream, cut yourself, but I'm telling you, if there's bitterness in your heart and there's a lack of love in your heart towards anyone, you're wasting your time praying. First Peter 3, 7 says, We're heirs together of the grace of life. And it says you ought to honor your wife as a weaker vessel that your prayers be not hindered. And so folks, listen, your marriage being right is so important because you can't even pray if you can't get along with your mate. You say, that's right, I'm praying for her. She needs to get right with God. Yeah, I'm sure she does. Folks, listen, I want to close with saying you have confidence in your prayer life because there's nothing between you and God and there's nothing between you and anybody else. Look at it. In context, I, we've taken it out of context many times, but you put it in context, it talks about the sin of not, not loving. It talks about displeasing God because you are full of hate and bitterness. Look at verse 22. And Whatsoever you ask, you receive of Him because you keep His commandments and do those things which are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Lord, of the Son of God. No, listen, and this is the commandment. The greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. You, you, are y'all with me, verse 23? Whew, I looked up and thought y'all were gone. But look at this. It says, and this, is, and this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of God, uh, the Son Jesus Christ and love one another as He gave us commandment. That probably sums it up, don't it? You can have a clear conscience and you can have confidence in your prayer life if you love one another. And then the Holy Spirit can make Jesus so real to you. You know why a lot of people don't want to come to church? Because they're full of hatred, full of self, and they don't feel a thing when they get here. And they don't sense anyone when they get here. And they blame it on the preacher for being long-winded or dull. Don't blame it on me. All I can do is transmit it. You've got to receive it. There's thousands of radio waves in here. All you've got to do is tune in. You'll get something out of the Word of God. It's a gracious, gracious confidence. And then last but not least, and we've got to close. It says in verse, I believe it's 24, And he that keepeth his his commandments. This is talking about love. Dwelleth in him. And he in him, hereby we know that he abideth in us. Remember that word abide, campers, last week? Abide. 
by the Spirit which He has given us. Folks, there's a holy communion. Three C's. There's a good conscience, there's good confidence, and there's gracious communion. Don't give place to the devil through holding grudges. Don't grieve the Spirit. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. You know what evil speaking is? You say stuff like, I hate you. I wish you were dead. I'd like to divorce you. That's evil speaking. Say things you'd never say in your right mind, but you're so angry, you say stuff like, I'd like to kill you. I hate you. I've heard parents come in and say their kids say that to them. Folks, I want to tell you something, that gives place to the devil. And you, and you put yourself in a place of bitterness and unresolved hurt. And somebody hurts you, somebody's done wrong towards you. And that bitterness turns to wrath, and that wrath turns to uh, slow burn and oily rags, and an attic explodes into a smothering anger. And then that anger bursts into flames, and there's clamor. And they're speaking loud, and it turns to evil speaking. And I want to tell you something, friend. God is nowhere around. I know homes that live like that. I live like that. My family was one upset turmoil all the time. I mean, fussing and fighting and hitting and slapping and waking up in the middle of the night and oh my word, until Jesus took over. Some of y'all been there, done that. And folks, certainly you as a Christian shouldn't be doing that. And here's the key. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Love is not a way to God. God is the way to love. Let Him be who He is through you. Look at two more verses we close. 1 John 4, 7, 8. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. We'll get there next week. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Would you say those last three words with me? God is love. Say it again. God is love. I want to say this. If God is working through your life, they might not describe it as God. I might just say, my goodness, he loves everybody. He loves those people that hurt him. He loves those people that, that talk about him. He's on his knees praying for him. He loves God. But the main thing is, God loves through him. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't give place to the devil. Why? Because you need a good conscience. You need some good confidence when you pray. And you definitely need the gracious communion. I love that song, He walks with me and He talks with me. I'm a long life's way. I don't know the rest of the verse, but praise God, He does walk with us. But He cannot walk with you if you're full of yourself. Who is it that you need to forgive tonight? I had a lady come in my office one time and just weeping bitter. She said, I, I, my marriage is over. 
I'm not close to my husband. I was thinking, God, I had the door open. I said, why? She said, because my mother let my daddy abuse me and she never did anything about it. And I hate her. I hate her. I hate her with all my heart. And I can't get close to my husband. I can't get close to my children. I'm in a fix. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And the only way you're going to get free is you're going to have to go to your mother and you're going to have to say, I'm sorry. I forgive you. And she screamed out. I mean, loud. She says, Brother Wayne, she's dead. And I said, well, then write a letter to heaven tell her you're sorry she went home I'm glad she didn't call me and say I don't know the address and I don't have enough stamps thank God but she knew what I was talking about and she wrote that letter and she even read it to her husband and she'd never shared that with her husband and she told me the next time she saw she didn't say anything there was a glow upon her face there was peace she was hugging and loving everybody in the church and she said you know something it worked. It worked. I'm free. She was not only free, she was flowing. And she had gracious communion, and I guarantee you she could pray for her children for the very first time. Bitterness not only eat your lunch, it'll eat your fellowship. It's not worth it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great chapter. It's touched my heart. I want to have a clear conscience. As far as I know, I don't know of a person that I have a, a, a bitter grudge against. I used to have a hard time with it towards my daddy. Thank God, Lord, you gave me victory over that. Lord, I love my sister. Lord, I love those that's hurt me in the past and walked out of this church after I won their whole family to the Lord and didn't even say goodbye. I love them. I love them. I look for opportunities to love them. But God, it's not me because in my flesh, I'm mean as the devil. In my flesh, I keep a record. But in your spirit, I can love like you love. So Lord, give us all victory to be channels of your love. Lord, love lifted me. The least I can do is lift some other people out of the ditch of hatred through loving them like you loved me when I hated everything. Deliver us from bitterness.